we all love assurance, don't we? We love assurance that our job is secured. You know, it's not so good when you're leaving work on Friday and you shout out to your boss, okay, I'll be here on Monday, and they return back. That's what you think. We don't like that, do we? We love to be assured when we're making a big purchase. I mean, who doesn't like to have a purchase that offers satisfaction guaranteed or your money back? There's an assurance there. We love to be assured in our standing with others. So we like to hear from somebody else, hey, you're a real gift. Or, I know we've disagreed, but I got your back. Or, I love you. One of the most beautiful aspects of our relationship with God is that he does give assurances to his children. He does give us reason to be assured of our standing with him. He does provide us with reminders that he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins. Reminders that he is with us always, even to the end of the world. Reminders that he won't ever forsake us. Would you please turn your copy of the scriptures to the book of Romans? Romans chapter 4. Today we continue a mini-series on justification by faith alone. This mini-series is part of a larger series through the book of Romans that we began really about a year ago now. Romans is a book that was written to both converted Jews and Gentiles in Rome. Paul was writing to them in advance of his visit with them uh, that he hoped to make on his way to Spain. This letter contains both deep doctrine, and as we will see this morning, it also contains simple assurances. So in whole, these 16 chapters of God's Word proclaim the undeserved, the unmatched, and the unstoppable gospel of Jesus Christ. We've divided the series into into six main divisions, and we're working on that second section right there. The heart of the gospel in in chapter 1, verse 18, through chapter 4, verse 25. We're coming kind of down the home stretch of that second section, the heart of the gospel. The gospel teaches us about the righteousness of God. We need righteousness that is not ours. We need God's righteousness. So the heart of the gospel is is, is found in the righteousness of God is revealed through wrath, The righteousness of God reigns with justice. And here in this section, the righteousness of God is received by faith. Chapter 4, Paul is teaching us about the foundational doctrine of justification by faith alone. Paul uses one key figure. He talks about uh, Abraham, the key figure, and he also talks about David. But Abraham is the key figure that, that Paul puts forward as an example to teach us How faith in Christ is the only way to God. We've considered the question of justification by faith alone. So like, not even Abraham was exempt from this. He had to be justified by his faith. We took two Sundays to consider the blessing of being justified by faith alone. We talked about how it wasn't deserved. It's it's undeserved. We couldn't earn it. It's testified by David who had had done his fair share of, of sinning as well. It's whole, but he, when he quotes David, he says, the blessed is the man whose, whose sins are covered, whose sins are, have been removed by God. It's a whole, it's a complete justification. It's available both to Jew and to Gentile. 
It's independent of our works. It's independent of signs and seals like circumcision. And it's part of a pilgrimage. He's justifying us together. We're on this pilgrimage together. This morning we take up the assurance that's provided through being justified by faith alone. Would you please follow along as I read from God's Word, beginning in Romans chapter 4, verse number 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he has something to boast about. He has something to glory in, but not before God. For what says the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him who works, now to him that worketh, is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debts? So if somebody has a job, they work, Paul says, they get their, they get their wages because they've earned it. But, verse 5, to him that doesn't work, but believes in him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describes the blessing of the man unto whom God counts righteousness without works, saying, now he quotes David, Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute or count sin. Paul asks a question now. He says, Cometh this blessedness then upon the, the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was counted or reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it reckoned? What was it when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in, uncircumcision, not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet, be, yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they not be circumcised, that righteousness be counted or imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to them who are not the, of the circumcised only, but who also walk in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. Now here's our text. For the promise that he should be heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect. Because the law works wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who was the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead, who, who made the dead come alive, and calls those things which be not as though they were. So let me, let me clean that up a little bit. Those he, he quickens, he, makes, he, he gives life to the dead, and he calls into existence the things that do not exist. Friend, if you are wondering whether or not you are a child of God, this text provides assurance for your hearts. If you, are, if you know already that you are not God's child, this passage 
calls you to experience God's grace. And it assures you that God is able to justify you. You are not outside of His realm. If you know that you already are God's child, this passage calls you to a continued worship and and an adoration of the one who has done what you could not do. And it assures you that His promises are kept. Justification by faith alone provides unmatched assurance. Justification by faith alone assures us that God's promises are true because they rest on His might, His power, not ours. Two main divisions for, for, of this text for you this morning. God's law and God's grace. First, we know that justification by faith alone can never come by the law of God. Justification by faith alone can never come by the law of God. Paul spent the last section of this letter teaching us that Abraham had not been justified by God through the tradition of circumcision. Remember that from two weeks ago. Now the apostle will teach us that Abraham was also not justified by his obedience to the law. In fact, the Mosaic law had not even been given yet at this point. Look at verse 13 one more time. For the promise that he should be heir of the world did not come to Abraham or to his offspring, to his seed, through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. That word there at the beginning of verse 13, for, it indicates that Paul is about to give further explanation of what he has just covered. So Paul had, take, had, had talked about the promise. He talked about the covenant that God had made with Abraham. And then he, he talks about these, these heirs of the world. And he explains the promise. There's going to be a huge number of descendants from Abraham. There's, he was going to go possess a land. All the people of the world would be blessed through Abraham's seed. So here in verse 13, Paul makes a really plain statement for us. He says, fulfillment of the promise, the promise to Abraham, would not come through Abraham's obedience to the law, but rather it would come through the righteousness of faith. Faith would be counted to Abraham. Abraham's faith would be imputed. It would be reckoned. It would be counted as righteousness. Now, if somebody could be justified by the law, Abraham would have a good shot at it, right? I mean, he went to a place uh, where he didn't even know he was going. He lived as a foreigner for some time in the land. As we read this morning, he was looking for, he was going towards a city. He was even willing to offer up his son Isaac as a sacrifice. Abraham had done a lot of obeying. He had kept God's law Time after time, he had followed God. He had obeyed God. But that wasn't enough. Paul wants us to understand that if justification was accomplished by law-keeping, there would be some drastic consequences to that. And that's what he explains in verses 14 and 15. He says, For if they which are the law be heirs, they who keep the law are the ones who, are, who receive the promise, who are heirs, then, consequence number one, Faith is made void. Consequence number two, the promise is made of none effect. Consequence number three, because the law brings wrath. For where no law is, 
there is no transgression. So Paul says if it's, if it's keeping the law, then, then faith is it's void. It's, it's, it's null. It's of none effect. Faith goes one way and law goes another way. If you choose to, to live by the law, you deny faith. It's impossible to be, to be saved both by faith and by works. So if you leave the church facility this morning and you go out to New Holland Pike, you go down to, to the intersection of, of 23 and 30, you can go east on 30 and go towards Philadelphia, or you can go west and go towards York. But you can't go both ways at the same time. You can go the wrong way if you don't know which, which direction you're going, but you can't go both ways at the same time. Likewise, you cannot be saved by faith and by works simultaneously. So here's what we need to understand. Law, law-keeping, puts the focus on our accomplishments. Faith puts the focus on God's accomplishments. So Paul says, if it comes, if the promise, if you become an heir, uh, if the promise is true for you through law-keeping, then faith is null. It doesn't work. A second consequence, he says, then the promise is worthless. God's promises to Abraham would be, would be void, precisely because nobody could keep the law. If God promised to justify us based on our ability to keep the law, then his promises to us would have no use, because none of us can keep the law. That's what Romans 1-3 through 3 was all about. If we have to keep the law to receive the promise, the promise can never be fulfilled, because we can't keep the law. Lloyd-Jones said it this way, Law means failure. If the promise had been made through the law, what God was giving us with his right hand, right hand he would have taken, been taken back with his left. There would have been no promise at all. It would have had no value at all. A third consequence is that the law brings wrath. The law can only condemn. That's the only, way, that's the only thing that the law can do. The law says, do this, and if you don't, you will be punished. So Paul is saying, if it is the case that the inheritance is to be based on adherence to the law, then there will be no heirs because no fallen human being can adequately adhere to the law. And that means that faith that is exercised is exercised in vain and the promise will never be fulfilled. Friend, you will never be assured of your standing with God. You will never be assured that you have been justified. You will never be assured of eternal life through your own ability to keep God's law. That avenue will leave you unassured every single time. Think about last week. I don't know how you did. I don't know how you responded when a family member was unkind to you with their words. I don't know what you did when you got frustrated with a government official behaving in ways that are blatantly opposed to God's word. I don't know how you responded to the temptations of greed or anger or lust or gossip. 
I don't know what kind of thoughts you had to the husband or wife that took yet another step in the wrong direction. I don't know what kind of attitudes you had towards authority in your life. I don't know how you kept or broke God's law this past week. But I know how it went for me. And it wasn't pretty. In regards to God's law, I messed up more than once a day. And when I think about all the mess-ups of my last week or this month, this year, let alone my life, I would be scared silly to think that my standing before the holy God of the universe depended on my keeping of His law. You see, if your justification, if your salvation depends on your accomplishments, there is no assurance. However, if your justification depends on God's accomplishments, there is nothing but assurance. There is peace and there is hope for your eternity. Law-keeping puts the focus on our accomplishments. Faith puts puts the focus on God's accomplishments. Have you been trusting in your law-keeping? Whether or not you have professed Christ? Are you looking at your own efforts in keeping God's rules? I invite you to lay aside your efforts at keeping God's law and instead to place your hope in the one who kept the law in your place. If you have questions about what it means to be born again and to have faith in the law keeper, Jesus Christ, I would love to speak with you after the service, get in contact with me this week. Be glad to show you what it means from God's word to be a follower of Christ. Christian, there is a call for us from this section of the text as well. A call to thanksgiving. Thank God regularly that he doesn't justify you based on your law keeping, but on Christ's law in your stead. Justification by faith alone provides unmatched assurance. Justification by faith alone assures us that God's promises are true because they rest on His might, His power, not ours. So let's move to the second half of our text. Paul has explained that justification by faith alone can never come by the law of God, but now he teaches us that secondly, justification by faith alone can only come by the grace of God. The obvious emphasis in chapter 4 is faith. Abraham believed God and it was counted, reckoned, imputed to him as righteousness. Likewise, we are justified by faith alone in Christ alone. This great doctrine of faith does not dismiss away the grace of God. And as Paul now teaches us, both are involved, both faith in Christ and grace from Christ. Look at verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those that, are, that adhere to the law, but also to that which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. 
God reckons the believer's faith as righteousness in order that salvation might be in accordance with His grace. That's why faith is not simply another good work that we have in our toolbox of Christianity. John MacArthur said it this way, the power of salvation is in God's grace, not in man's faith. James Montgomery Boyce said it this way, grace is the unmerited favor of, of God apart from human works, and it comes to us by simple acceptance, which is by faith. It's important for us to remember that Abraham's faith Abraham's faith was not righteousness. Abraham's faith was counted as righteousness on the basis of God's grace. We need to be reminded, we need to understand just how sinful we are and that we need a righteousness that we cannot obtain on our own. A righteousness from God. That's the theme of Romans. Romans 1.17 says, For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And then chapter 3, verse 22, it says, The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So the great hope that Christians have is found in that word in verse number 16. It says, uh, it says to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed. It's also translated guaranteed to all the seed. The promise to Abraham and his heirs, Jew or Gentile, the promise to, to those who received the blessing, it was sure, it was guaranteed, not by their faith, but by God's grace. God justifies as we show faith as we believe. But our faith doesn't guarantee the promise. God's grace guarantees the promise. Our faith can't guarantee the promise, but God's grace can. Our faith is not all-powerful, but God's grace is all-powerful. We are not even saved because our faith is strong enough. We are saved because God's grace is strong enough. Faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. Well, why was faith counted to Abraham as righteousness? Because that's the only hope he had. God says, you trust in what I'll do for you, and I'll count it as righteousness. John Newton called that amazing grace. God says, you can't keep the law. I'll send my, my son to keep the law in your place. The Apostle Paul says, that's grace. God says, you believe, and even though your faith wavers from time to time, and even though you only have faith because I gave you faith, I'll count that faith as righteousness. Friends, we call that grace, grace, grace. God's grace. It's the value. That's where the, the power is in God's grace. Anybody have a wad of dollar bills in your pockets? We like dollars, don't we? We use them, hopefully wisely. Tara had an uncle who, who loved the Lord, and before he passed away, every time we took a trip south, we would stop, we, and we stopped by his house, the first thing he'd do would greet me with a handshake. And inside that, his hand was a $100 bill. And he appreciated that we were in ministry, and he wanted to encourage us. And I was encouraged. I told Tara that we should visit that uncle every week. What is it about a bill, a $100 bill, that is valuable. It's not the actual paper and the ink. 
that's valuable. It's what it represents. The paper and the ink have little value compared to what can be obtained through spending, giving that piece of paper to someone else. Our faith is not valuable unless it is guaranteed by something that is valuable. Our faith is guaranteed by God's grace. So even though our faith is meager at times, God counts it as righteousness because God is gracious. And this is where we get to the meat of the assurance of justification by faith alone. Justification by faith alone assures us that God's promises are true because they rest on his might, not ours. And there, there we have it in verse number 17. He, so verse 16, he says, it's sure, it's guaranteed by God's grace. As it is written, verse 17, I've made you a father of many nations. Before him who believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into the existence things that do not exist. So Paul quotes here from Genesis chapter 22, verse 18, God's promise to make Abraham a great nation. And that promise was dependent upon Abraham's faith, but it's guaranteed by God's grace. Abraham's faith couldn't be strong enough, but God's grace could be. God could look at Abraham who had no child, no heir, and promise all of this blessing to Abraham becoming a larger nation. God could do all of that precisely because God is all-powerful. God has all the power. We know what death means to us weak humans. Death means nothing to the omnipotent. We know how despair looks in our lives. Despair means nothing to the omnipotent. Have we forgotten who has justified us by faith? He is the omnipotent one. Our justification is not guaranteed by our law-keeping or our ceremonies like circumcision or baptism or the Lord's Supper. Our justification is not guaranteed by a priest or by a pastor or by Christian parents. Our justification is not guaranteed by what we deem to be good works in our lives as obedience to God. No, our justification is guaranteed by the one who called out to Lazarus, Come forth! And he came forth. Our justification is guaranteed by the one who said, let there be light. And there was light. Our justification is guaranteed by the one who creates and sustains life itself. You, Paul told the church at Ephesus, were dead in your trespasses and sins. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together in Christ. The promise to Abraham many years ago and to all of his seed is guaranteed not simply because Abraham believed and not simply because you believe, although you must believe. The promise to Abraham and the promise to, to all of us is guaranteed because God is able, because God is gracious, because God is omnipotent. God guarantees it all by his all-powerful grace. Yes, believe, trust, have faith, but understand that your justification is not resting on your faith. It is guaranteed by the grace of the all-powerful one. Christian, you were not kept by your faith. You were kept by the grace of God. Fanny Crosby wrote many old gospel songs. One of my dad's favorites was Blessed Assurance. 
And she gets it right in that first stanza, talking about the assurance of being justified. She writes, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit and washed in his blood. God's purchase, Christ's blood, born of the spirit. So friend, how sure could we be of our salvation if it depended on our obedience to the law of God? Zilch. Nada. Nothing. No assurance. We would have no assurance if our justification depended upon our obedience to the law of God. But how sure can we be of our salvation if it depends upon the grace of God? Oh, what a beautiful thought. What a foretaste of glory divine. What a kind God to offer you assurance that you have been justified by faith. That your faith has been counted as righteousness. What a kind God to make a way for lawbreakers to experience the reward of a perfect law keeper. What a kind God to not only make a way for justification by faith alone, but to guarantee it by his all-powerful grace. In preparation for the Lord's table, we're going to sing another hymn together that reminds us that we could never keep the law ourselves, but that Christ has done that for us. We'll sing together a debtor to mercy. Would you please?